Could Spencer Schwellenbach be the next breakout prospect for the Braves? We'll discuss that and get into some of the rumors on Otani and Nola from a Monday on this Miners Monday podcast of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani. You can follow me on social media at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on social media at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Have some good and fun conversation over there as well about your Atlanta Braves. So give both of those accounts a follow. Subscribe on YouTube if you're new. Hit that thumbs up button as well if you're watching there to help grow the channel. Over 7,500 subscribers. Thank you so much for all your support. Being in every day or here at Locked on Braves. In the offseason, I do a lot of these podcasts live. If you want to join us, I might be switching up the time we start these here. So uh, be in mind of that or keep that in mind. may start some of these at 8 Central, 9 Eastern, so a little bit earlier. Uh, so just look out for those. I'll tweet that out from or post that from Lockdown underscore Braves pretty much every day of the week. So, again, you want to join us live, look out for that link to do so and the time as well. Thanks so much for all those who are here live with us today. Uh, we got JK, Gregory Francis, Nick C, Protect PR. Um, it's me, Hayden Harris. Met Hayden the other day at a Target in Birmingham. Thanks for stopping and saying, hey, good meeting you as well, Hayden. Thanks for joining the show. Got mass boost in here with us as well. So thanks so much for joining live. This is a Miners Monday episode. So we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about a couple of minor leaguers and Spencer Schwellenbach, who I was very impressed with on the video breakdown that I did of him. And also Keyshawn Ogans, a guy coming up a very good Arizona Fall League. So I thought it prudent to talk about him right now. And then I will touch on the rumors uh, or the reports, rather, whatever you want to call them, about the Braves and Otani and um, Aaron Nola as well. I'll try not to pour too much cold water on both of those, but we will discuss them here later in the podcast. Before we get into all that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Getting into today's podcast, we will start out with our Miners Monday segment, and we're going to begin with Spencer Schwellenbach and 59th overall pick out of Nebraska in 2021, two-way player at Nebraska playing shortstop and then coming in at the end of games to close things out. Braves drafted him as a pitcher, even though he only pitched one year at Nebraska because of an elbow injury in high school, and then Nebraska was really careful with him as, again, they used him as a closer in that final year before the Braves drafted him, but he's somebody that a lot of people were torn on. Would he be a hitter? Would he be a pitcher? You know, come came with some injury risk as all pitchers do, um, but certainly somebody that had a lot of upside as he threw in the upper 90s coming out of college. Six foot one, 200 pound righty, 23, turns 24 in May. So this isn't necessarily a very, you know, young prospect. Went to college, you know, had the arm injury. He needed Tommy John surgery soon after he joined the Braves. So he didn't pitch at all in 2021 after he was drafted, didn't pitch at all in 2022. So this past season 
was his professional debut, and he threw 65 innings, so still trying to work him back. In those 65 innings, which he mostly threw at single A, 16 games started, a very nice 2.49 ERA and a 0.98 whip, just a 207 batting average against 55 strikeouts in those 65 innings. Not a big strikeout guy, or at least didn't seem to be in his first professional season. I think there's room there for him to be a good strikeout pitcher, uh, but certainly somebody that got a lot of weak contact, at least in the starts that I watched, and you know, as evident by that 207 batting average against. Had three starts in high A, 13 and two-thirds innings. He allowed just four hits at high A, just one walk, only three earned runs and 14 strikeouts. So again, you see strikeouts coming up more to a strikeout an inning, which is where I think he can be with the pitch mix that he has, though. Did a great job keeping hitters off balance and getting that weak contact. Represented the Braves in the Futures game at the All-Star break this past year. So it was a big, uh, you know, big accomplishment for him. And that was great for the Braves as well to see Swellenbach kind of getting that recognition from his good start at the professional ranks. Ended the season by throwing six shutout innings. I went back and watched that start. It was just incredible uh, how he had everything going and was just being able to locate it wherever he wanted to. He earned a South Atlantic League Pitcher of the Week for that, as you might imagine. Somebody th throws six shutout innings. Um, looking at the pitch mix that he has, fastball, slider, changeup, curveball, and it's hard to tell. Uh, I'll just be honest. It's hard to tell when I go back and watch the, some of these games. I went back and watched about three and a half of his starts on video and None of the broadcasts I watched had a radar gun, so it was really hard to judge what some of these pitches you know, were um, or how to categorize them. I'll say the fastball sits in the mid-90s, can touch upper 90s. I was impressed with the amount of arm side run. It acted more like a two-seamer or a sinker at times. I saw him throw one on the outside corner to a righty. Um, that dove back over the plate for a called strike on the outside corner is impressive. Obviously saw him run it away from, from lefties a couple of times as well. So some really good arm side run on that mid to upper 90s fastball that he has. So a really impressive pitch for him in that fastball. And then I, I don't know whether they call a slider, a curveball. One of the broadcasts that I watched kept calling it a curveball, but his breaking pitch, whatever it is, it is a really, really good breaking pitch. I label it as a slider because it looks like it comes in with a lot more velocity than your typical curveball, but it has more of that downward action on it, more of that uh, horizontal, you know, 12 to 6 kind of break on it. And when you see it, and from some of the angles that I watched, it almost looks like this pitch is rising, and then all of a sudden it just drops down so hard and the hard break is why I label it more of a slider than a curveball a curveball. You're more looking at that kind of slow breaking ball. But what I saw, it looked more like a, a hard break that he had. And again, I saw, you know, when you paired that fastball up in the zone and then I saw against the batter one time, he threw that slider off of it. And that pitch looks like it is rising towards the top of the strike zone. And then all of a sudden just takes a nosedive. So it's a very impressive breaking ball whatever you want to call it, but it does have more of that 12 to 6, you know, vertical break, not the horizontal break. However, I also threw, saw him throw a pitch very similar fashion that had some horizontal break on it. So I don't know if there's just two different shapes to this, this breaking ball, this slider curveball mix, whatever you want to call it, but I did see at least 
one or two of those breaking balls that had more horizontal break to it. So again, whatever you want to categorize it is, it is a plus offering and looks really, really good. Now, change up, I did not see many of these, but the ones I did see, I was really impressive as well. I thought this was another plus pitch for him. Had some filthy arm side run to it. I mean, one that was just absolutely disgusting runaway from a left-handed hitter. So we're talking about three pitches right now that are plus for uh, for Schwellenbach. So again, I'm really impressed with this arm and what he is able to do. Uh, I know Mass Boost saying in the comments that slider is what he's seen in most scouting reports. I have too. And again, that's what I, I would label it is just because of the hard break that it has to it. The changeup, again, it, it has a lot of fade. Uh, like we talked about with, with J.R. Ritchie, he had that good changeup as well with a lot of good fading action on it, running away from left-handed hitters. I thought I also saw some slower curveballs mixed in there as well, but I didn't see too many of those. So it's hard to tell, again, if maybe those were backup sliders or he if, that, if he was actually trying to throw in a slow curveball. But whatever the case may be, there are three pitches there that I can see that are plus pitches that he can command, again, in the starts that I saw, for a guy that hadn't pitched in a while, coming off Tommy John surgery, I thought the command was very good of his pitches, particularly with that with that fastball and that slider. So I was, I was really impressed with Spencer Schwellenbach and my watches of him. A lot will depend on the innings. Talking about his future now, a lot will depend on the innings and how the Braves get him stretched out, how long it takes him to get stretched out. At the end of this past season, he was consistently going five to six innings in every start, which is great to see. He took a little break there after the All-Star break. They moved him up to Rome, took a couple of weeks off there, probably just to give him a break, and then finished the season with three starts in Rome. Again, going five, six innings in the last month or so of this his first professional season. So that is great, but it's a guy who hasn't pitched a lot, which is Good in some ways, and the fact that he doesn't have a lot of mileage on his arm. He's already had Tommy John surgery, so now it's just about getting him stretched out. He has the pitch mix. Like I said, three pitches already that I think are plus. He has the pitch mix to be a starter, but if that doesn't work work out, I think he has the ability to be a dominant reliever, but I still think there's plenty of potential there for him as a starter. The development of that fastball, in my mind, is going to determine if he's going to be a front-of-the-rotation starter. This is how much I think of Swellenbach, whether he's going to be a front-of-the-rotation starter or a mid-rotation starter. If he's able to carry that upper 90s velocity, you know, five, six innings in a start, I think we're potentially looking at somebody who could be a, a number two type of starter. But it's all going to depend on how, you know, that fastball velocity holds through starts because I think those secondaries are already really good. And again, the command looked really good for somebody coming off Tommy John surgery. So I loved what I saw in Schwellingbach. Really impressed with him. I'd probably put him right up there with J.R. Ritchie in that tier behind A.J. smith Shaver and Hurston Waldrop right now. Again, as I'm going through these in the offseason, those are probably my top four prospects pretty easily in the Brave system. So Really loved what I saw from Schwellenbach again, his first professional season, working his way back. Got a long way to go, uh, but I think the future is really bright for him, and I can't wait to see see more of Spencer Schwellenbach. Next, we'll talk about a hitter in Keyshawn Ogans, who went to the Arizona Fall League, was in the Fall Stars game, a guy who had a really good second professional season himself, and I'm talking about Keyshawn Ogans. We'll discuss him more next.
Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered with my friends over at Jace Medical. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. No having to worry about going out to the pharmacy every month or whenever your, your supply is ready. You can do it for one year and not have to worry about it. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use our promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. And don't take my word for it. Listen to one of these customer feedbacks about Jace that we got. I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. And for my experience, I went on there, got myself a Jace case so that I have that in case of emergencies as well. Process was super simple. You just fill out a form. If you have to, you may have to talk to one of their licensed professionals. Wasn't the case for me. They shipped out my Jace case, was able to get it in about a week or so. Very su simple process. Make sure when you're there, you use our promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. That's Locked On at jacemedical.com for $20 off. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Moving along in this Miners Monday episode, we'll talk about Keyshawn Ogans next. Final pick in the 2022 draft out of Cal as a shortstop. Five foot eight, 180, righty, 22 years old. So not a very big guy and a college hitter. So you expect him to be a little bit more advanced. 108 bat at bats after getting drafted last year, slash 250, 331, 306, nine walks, 23 strikeouts, nine stolen bases. So Nothing too flashy, certainly coming out of the gate. But this past year, been all season at high A, 113 games, slash 265, 360, 397, 22 doubles, 9 home runs, 46 walks, 87 strikeouts, 10 stolen bases, 8 caught stealing is not great, but a 112 WRC+. Plus. And that was, you know, a really solid comeback year for Keyshawn Ogan. Let's say comeback year after a very short stint getting drafted, but a very solid first professional season for Keyshawn Ogans. And then he goes to the Arizona Fall League, 17 games, slash 299, 347, 403, one double, two home runs, four walks to 14 strikeouts, five stolen bases, just one caught stealing named to the fall stars team as well and played in the fall stars game so a very good season for Keyshawn Ogans who I think you know had a good enough season for the Braves to want to send him to the Arizona Folly to get more at bats against good competition and I you know was really impressed with what he was able to do there now we're going to talk a little bit more about the Arizona Folly here in a moment one thing you have to remember is that league is more for the hitters, you typically don't see a lot of top pitchers there unless they were injured during the year and need to get more innings. That usually is more of a hitter-friendly environment as well there in Arizona. So you got to keep that in mind. But regardless, Ogans went out there and did it and performed. Now, as far as the future for Ogans, to see Nick C in here saying is Keyshawn Ogans, Francisco Lindor. I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit here when talking about Keyshawn Ogans. I don't think that is you know, the future necessarily for him. I don't even know that he's going to be an everyday player at some point in his career. But when I was watching him, and maybe it's because, you know, we just started talking, we just 
we're talking about Martin Prado, you know, perhaps coming on as a coach. Maybe it was because Ogans was wearing number 14. But when I watch him, I got a little bit of Martin Prado vibes from him. You know, Prado, bigger guy, um, but, you know, Ogan's just kind of that swing, able to play multiple positions, and, you know, just, you know, back-to-ball skills are really solid as well, not a ton of power. There's just nothing flashy about Ogan's when I watch him, but he just looks like a, you know, a solid ball player. Uh, and he's somebody that, you know, I think is, again, not going to wow you, but I think he's somebody that, again, what we've seen from him so far is going to continue to develop and get better. And, you know, I think he just has the potential to have an impact at a big league level sometime. I like the versatility that he brings. A couple of games I watched when he was at shortstop, he looked good there. You know, despite the the size, I thought he you know showed some good range and a strong arm as well. He probably fits better at second base, but he has the ability to play, you know, both middle infield positions. This past year, he made 35 starts at second base, 43 starts at third base, and 23 starts at shortstop. So again, giving you that versatility. And then in the Arizona Fall League, played nine games at second, seven games at shortstop. One thing I talked about a lot last year, going into last season, is the lack of middle infield depth in the system. And while I still don't see, you know, an everyday stud starting shortstop out there in the minor league system, I don't think Ignacio Alvarez sticks there defensively. Some of the other guys are too far away. Emory Oris Tavares has a long way to go with the bat, but there now is much more depth in the system in my mind with guys like Yvonne Grissom, like Braden Shoemake, if the Braves hold on to him, keep him on the 40 man roster, you know, Luke Waddell, I don't love Cal Conley, but you know, solid. Again, we're just talking about depth in the minor league system. And I think Ogans is moving his way up that depth chart as well with a strong year and what he did in the Arizona fall league, which again, you got to take Arizona fall league, Stats with a, a big grain of salt. AG7 says, last I checked, Ogans had the best stats out of all the Braves players in the Arizona Fall League, and he did. And I'm going to go over the rest of those here in a second. But I did want to highlight Ogans because his name is kind of out there right now because of what he did in the Arizona Fall League. Again, had a solid 2023 season at high A. So I just wanted to highlight him a little bit. Again, I don't want to get too excited about him here. I don't think he's an everyday player. Um, but I do think he adds some great up the middle, you know, infield depth for the Braves in their system. And somebody that, again, he continues to just show progress and get better, you know, could be a solid utility bench guy who, who maybe starts some games for you if you need to down the road. So I uh, like Keyshawn Ogans. I'm ex- and interested to see how he continues to develop and if there is another level for him. But definitely a big season for Keyshawn Ogans. I want to make sure that we highlight that on this Miners Monday. All right, next, I want to get into the rest of those Arizona Fall League stats and then talk about some of the rumors from Monday regarding Otani and Nola, possibly interest there from the Braves or from Otani. We'll discuss all that next. All right, I wanted to get into the rest of the Arizona Fall League stats as that season is now over. Watch some of that championship game. On Sunday, I believe it was, and a pretty interesting finale there. Came down to the last at-bat one-run game, so pretty fun into that season. And now we try to find some winter ball action somewhere. It's watching some of the Dominican Winter League over on MLB TV tonight as well. So trying to find whatever baseball we can while I go back and watch video of minors from last season as well. But 
Arizona Fall League did wrap up. Talked about Keyshawn Ogans. David McCabe had a pretty solid AFL as well. 278, 448, but just a 361 slug. Very surprising for a guy with that much power going to an environment that is very conducive to home runs and power. Six doubles, but no home runs from David McCabe. Very surprising. 23 walks, 29 strikeouts. A lot of walks, also a lot of strikeouts in there as well. Again, sometimes you get pitchers with not the best control in the Arizona Fall League. So, again, take all these numbers with a grain of salt. Darius Vines, four games started, 5.51 ERA, 1.29 whip, 16 and a third innings, 15 hits, six walks, 23 strikeouts. Very good to see. He was the AFL Pitcher of the Week one week in there. He had a really good start. So, some good stuff from Vines. Again, this is generally a hitter's league. So, keep that in mind when looking at some of these pitcher stats. Dylan Dodd. Tough end to a tough season for Dylan Dodd. Four games started in the AFL, 6.16 ERA, 1.53 whip in 19 innings, 23 hits, six walks, and 20 strikeouts. Tyler Tolvey, uh, unfortunate year for him as well. Some injuries, really thought he's the guy that could maybe step up as that catcher in the system. But 16 games, slash 220, 281, 356, three doubles, a triple, a homer, three walks to 19 strikeouts. Not a good ratio there. Uh, hopefully, Tyler Tolvey can get healthy and come back in 2024. Alec Barger was the best of the pitchers for the Braves, 0.96 ERA and an identical 0.96 whip in nine and a third innings, seven hits, two walks, and 13 strikeouts. After that's after he had a 5.60 ERA and 1.53 whip at Double A this past year. So good end of the season for Alec Barger. Patrick Hallion. 12.127 ERA, 2.18 whip, and seven and a third innings. Jake McSteen, 10 and a third innings, a 4.35 whip or a 0.77 whip, a 4.35 ERA with 12 strikeouts. So good stuff there for McSteen. And then Brooks Wilson, big strikeout stuff, 11 Ks and six and two thirds innings, but six hits and nine walks. So not a great AFL for Brooks Wilson. So that's a wrap on that. No more Braves prospects right now in the AFL. But again, you might be able to catch some of those guys in winter league action, hoping we get to see some of Von Grissom over there in the Puerto Rican league. All right, now let's move on to probably what a lot of you are still hanging around for. And that is the discussion on Monday about Otani and Aaron Nola. Again, I don't want to pour too much water on some of these rumors, interest, I you know, posted this on social media the other day. Ken Rosenthal himself, who is part of one of these reports, said it. Every team is checking on every player in the offseason. That's something you got to keep in mind. Alex Anthopoulos is checking on Otani. He's checking on Nola. He's checking on Snell. He is checking on everybody out there. So that is something to keep in mind. Do they have interest in Aaron Nola? Yes. And going to the Ken Rosenthal report, when I read that, it says the Braves would be willing to Spin big on the right pitcher. And to me, that was the key word in that statement in the article from Ken Rosenthal is that they would be willing to spin on the right pitcher. Is Aaron Nola the right pitcher? I, I don't think so. <laughs> and again, personal preference here. I would not, I would not feel all that comfortable giving Aaron Nola a you know, six-year, $150 million contract if that's what, you know, if that's what he's going to get. Would I like to have Aaron Nola on this Braves team? Yes, but not to be that. The way I see it is, is this your replacement for Max Freed? 
Because if it is, I'd rather you just give that money, probably would have to be a little bit more than that. I would just rather give that money to Max Fried. I think Max Fried is a much better pitcher than Aaron Nola. You just, you look at Aaron Nola and again, he's been, he's given you a lot of innings. He's been good in the postseason. I'm not trying to say he's a bad pitcher. You look at his innings and I think that's the thing that really, that's really valuable. For anybody you know, going after Aaron Nola, it's 212 innings, 202 innings, 71 innings in the shortened 2020 season, 180 innings, 205 innings, 193 innings. That is all great. And I love the durability of Aaron Nola. But as we talked about before this offseason, at some point, a pitcher's arm is going to give out. They were not made to do what pitchers do. And while that durability is great, at some point, it's going to go. And are you paying, hoping that that durability is going to be there for six years, the next six years as he goes into his 30s, where arms typically are, are going to tear down, um, even the best of, of guys? Uh, I mean, is it possible that he still pitches 180 innings for the next five or six years? Yes, but again, it is it is a risk. And if that's what you're paying for is his durability, I think that's a huge risk. Now, you also, you look at Aaron Nola, it's a 4.46 ERA this past year, 3.25 the year before, 4.63 the year before that, 3.28 the year before that, 3.87 the year before that. It's been kind of this up and down roller coaster for Aaron Nola, where is he a top of the rotation pitcher? Is he a middle of the rotation pitcher? It's just, again, I like Aaron Nola. And I would love for the Braves to go out and sign him. But, and I posted this on my, my social media account as well uh, at Shortstop Ball. You want to go follow there. If, if the question is, do I want Aaron Nola at 5 150 or do I want to extend Max Freed at, at 6 170 180? If it's, if I can only do one of those, I would rather go Max Freed. And I know. People have questions about Max Fried's durability and, you know, you're possibly deciding between a guy who is durable versus a guy who maybe some believe isn't as durable. I, I just still think Max Fried is a better pitcher and I would rather have him over Aaron Nola. Could, would I love to have both? Absolutely. And if they can do that, yes. But again, if it's one or the other, I say go, you know, extend Max Fried if you can, and he may not want to, and, and Max Fried may just, want to go to free agency and sign somewhere else. And if that's what the Braves have determined and they see that writing on the wall, then by all means, go get an Aaron Nola and lock him up. I just, again, anytime you're paying in free agency, you're overpaying. And it makes me a little worrisome paying a guy $25 million a year when you're hoping that that 180 inning you know, durability is going to be there and that he's more of the three two ERA guy than the four, 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 six ERA guy that he also has been here lately. So again, love the, love the, that the Braves are interested. Uh, and I, I love to hear that they're willing to go out and get a, a front end starter, whether that is Nola, whether that's Snell, whether it's Yamamoto, whatever, you know, whether that's trading for Tyler Glass now, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Dylan Cease, I love to hear that the Braves, if you're going to take anything out of the report from Ken Rosenthal, take out the part that the Braves are really looking at front end starting pitching. I think that is 
the best thing to take out of that. You don't specifically just have to look at NOLA. Look at the fact that the Braves are ready to go out and spend on front-end starting pitching, whoever that may be. That is the thing I take away from the Ken Rosenthal article more than you know focusing so much on NOLA. It's the fact that the Braves are, it sounds like, willing to spin big if they feel like they can get the right guy. And I think that's the key part, the right guy. Is Aaron Nola that right guy? I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Let's get into the other part of this. And this is the report from John Morosi talking about Otani being would be interested in playing for the Braves. Like I, I don't ever want to try to discredit a you know media member. I don't want to discredit anybody or talk ill of anybody. But Morosi is a reporter that reports anything as news that is that is nothing. Um, you know, he is one of those guys that says, you know, the Red Sox are checking in on Otani. The Braves are checking in on Otani. It's every team is checking in on every player. We know this. That is not news. The fact that Otani would play for the Braves, in my mind, is not news. If the Braves were to come to him with a mega offer, he would play for the Braves. I mean, it's it's that plain and simple. Now, you know, for a guy like Otani who probably, you know, gets a pick of where he wants to go, I mean, there are only a few teams that are going to spend that type of money. I, I guess it is something for him to say, you know, I would play for the Braves because maybe there are some, some teams, some cities where he would just say no. Um, but he does want to play for a contender. And that's one thing I love about Otani. I watch a lot of Angels games. They're on late at night. Why wouldn't you want to watch Otani and Mike Trout when they're healthy in the lineup together? And one thing I love about Otani is that he wants to win. And I believe he wants to be on a winner. And the Braves are a winner. Are the Braves going to pay him, though? I mean, it's again, I'm sure if the Braves offered him the most money, he would come to Atlanta. Are the Braves going to offer him the most money? Probably not. So, again, would he again? It's great to hear that he wants to play for the Braves, but he's only going to play for the Braves if they give him the most money. There are going to be other teams who are contenders that are probably going to open up the check checkbooks to give him, you know, the most money. Now, if you want to have a conversation of should the Braves give him the most money, we'll probably have a whole other podcast for that. And again, with all the discussion on Otani, maybe we'll do that later this week and decide is it a good decision or not for the Braves to go all in on Otani. I think that'd be a fun podcast to have. But just the fact that he has interest or would be willing to play for the Braves, that's not much of news to me. Why wouldn't he want to play for the Braves? They're a good team. They're a contending team. But are they going to give him that money? Again, probably not. But again, we'll discuss that more in another episode. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked on Braves. Thanks so much for being here with me. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, all that good stuff. Hit that thumbs up button. You made it here to the end of this video. I really do appreciate it. If you got a question or comment, wasn't able to get to it, or if you just have one in general, please put it in the comment section below on YouTube. I try to get to all of those there. Again, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Braves wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us or follow us on social media at shortstopball and at Lockdown underscore Braves. And we will talk to you next Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 